podcast. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. The podcast has had over 1 million plays and that's all thanks to you. For the holidays, I bring you the best of series for 2023, the most listened to and loved episodes. If you enjoy the podcast, you can review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts or drop me a line on social media. This episode is brought to you by Gin & Co, author website design specialists. If you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand, reach out to Jin today. His work includes tailored, expertly designed, professional author websites. I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. Date with a Debut is a Words and Nerds and Breathe Art podcast co-production recorded on a Wagbacool country. And I pay my respects to all elders past and present and extend that to any First Nations people tuning in. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. On with the show. Max facing uh, her brain surgery is something that I have lived experience with. I was keen to, I guess, draw on my experience, which was basically, as cliche as it sounds, the things that are important in life uh, being drawn into sharp focus. Hello, my name is Nick Basilier, former host of Tell Me What To Read, author of When Men Cry, and I'm here for a new mini-series hosting on Words and Nerds, shining a light on debut novelists and their journey to publication. So if you are looking for a new book to devour, this is the place to be. If you're looking for writing inspiration, this is the place to be. This is Date with a Debut, because nothing hits you like a first impression. And I couldn't be happier because this book, in line with this series, couldn't be more appropriate in terms of a date and learning and finding love because I'm joined this morning by Karina May, digital marketer, espresso martini drinker, and her book, Duck and Orange for Breakfast, is published by Pam McMillan, which at the time of us recording is only a few days from release. But for our audience, it will be out in the world for them to enjoy. Karina, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you're very welcome. And in typical date fashion, uh, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to start this writing journey. So I think you said in the intro there, I'm a digital marketer now, but I actually studied communications at university. Uh, I went down, um, well, initially I wanted to get into newspapers and I was sent on an internship to Bangkok when I was at uni, which was uh, an interesting experience uh, for my first newspaper experience uh, working in a country, uh, a non-English speaking country. So from that, I kind of got a shock of the newsroom and went into magazines. And then, you know, about a decade ago, basically, you know, the rise of the internet and unfortunates and doom and gloom in that landscape, um, I decided to skill up and work in digital marketing. And I think it was there where I was still writing copy, but just not the long form copy, where I started to get a bit of a creative itch for writing again. And I'd never even considered creative writing. I was always a big reader. 
Uh, and I think definitely a storyteller. I've now learned that's just always something I love to entertain friends and family with tales, normally self-deprecating tales about myself with some extra exaggeration. So I signed up to a writing course at Australian Writers' Centre, which was a six-month write your novel course, and basically learnt how to structure a novel, which was very different from kind of the scratchings I had been doing to date, and got addicted. Give us your one-minute pitch for Duck the World. Sure. Well, we were discussing before that um, I can't still pronounce my title, so I refer it to Duck. I do not speak French, so it's interesting um, that I <laughs> created this book, um, but it is a comedy romance, so I think it's suitable for me to have a bit of fun with the title. Um, and it follows Maxine Mayberry, or Max, uh, who we meet at, I guess, the hardest time in her life. She has just found her long-term boyfriend in bed with another woman and not good and also diagnosed um, with a brain tumour. So it definitely has some serious themes. Um, but I think with this book, I wanted to kind of tackle some serious things in a non-serious way and, and lightly. And I find when I'm going through tough times that it's humour um, that gets me through. So the story follows Max as she moves in with her best friend, Alice, who signs her up for Tinder uh, as a distraction to kind of while away the weeks in the lead up to the surgery and also to get over her heartbreak. And she meets a Tinder pen pal who is cheeky and charming Johnny. And together they start to cook through a recipe book of Max's ex-boyfriend's family, the Laurent family, who are like a pretentious French family. The project's called The Four Kim Project and it's like a deranged julia and julia exercise <laughs> the cookbook drop is done at an ikea and i think that's one of my kind of favorite parts it's that brings in some of the rom-com elements of 500 days of summer and kind of th th those types of movies and texts that i've always enjoyed and then finally the story travels to paris because i don't think that we can um yeah have a book about french food and french cooking and not go on a journey so yeah i think it's um a fun read with some serious themes um, and I am I am really proud of it yay I'm so glad to hear and I <laughs> love that as well you couldn't not do a book about French food and not go to France like if you, I know <laughs> if you, there's something uh, that when I was reading it it felt very Nora Ephron there was something yeah Nora Ephron about it when Harry met Sally sleepless in Seattle it's the sort of love that feels very lived in, which I absolutely love. And I find it such an interesting book because, again, it is a, like romance comedy uh, and there is this dynamic of love developing for the majority of the story online. I'll keep that I'll keep that the second mm -hmm. half uh, light for spoiler reasons, obviously. But you've got the cooking and the gustatory heights that is delivered with, the, with all of that. But there's also a clock. Yeah. Uh, yeah that max has a brain tumor and i get a sense that there was something you wanted to address a little bit more with this book there is romance and comedy but there is that kind of clock as well in the background yeah totally i think um and firstly like the nora efron compliment is obviously just you know <laughs> everything that i strive for um i love nora efron i think there's multiple references in the book um yeah and i love heartburn which also is a book that's filled with a lot of recipes um, and I think subconsciously kind of that made its way into the plot um, but I think it was really important for me when I'm watching or reading romance um, rom-coms specifically 
that I love the whimsical, sparkly, fun element, but just as much I love the honest, real, pragmatic protagonist. So I think that is definitely, you know, what I was trying to achieve in this book. Um, so, yeah, Max, I guess, facing uh, her brain surgery is something that I have lived experience with. So I was keen to, I guess, draw on my experience, which was basically, you know, facing something that was scary and um, the things that, as cliche as it sounds, the things that are important in life um, being drawn into sharp focus and thinking about the things that you actually want out of life. And then a step further that is making sure that you really feel that you deserve those things as well so this story the serious themes are are kind of you know the self-worth and self-discovery and giving yourself permission to strive and to sparkle so I think the serious themes really lend themselves well to the sparkly element because Max deserves the magical life she deserves Paris you know she deserves all the color Um, so that's what I was hoping to bring in with this story and she deserves Johnny, just. And she deserves Johnny, yeah. <laughs> so, character question. Max and Johnny, oh, my God. Okay, such an interesting dynamic. Because, uh, again, especially for the majority of the book, they actually don't meet. It's all communicated online. How did these characters come into your life? And for, for the love of God, just tell me about Johnny, because, wow. <laughs> I think um, I like the idea of the anonymous Tinder pen pal. I know Tinder is like famous for, you know, lots of other things and maybe not so much that magical meeting. But I think there's something in that anonymous connection where you reveal parts of yourself because it feels safe. So I really wanted to explore that. And then I guess the not meeting thing is just that build up of tension. Yeah. I'm not going to give away spoilers <laughs> if they do meet. But I, I again, love um, You've Got Mail. So I think I was drawing on a little bit of that and all those near misses, which is why I also love the whole cookbook drop thing. Of course, you know, it would have been easier for them to simply uh, meet up, (laughs) but there wouldn't have been much fun in that. And Johnny, I think he's mysterious and dark and you can tell there's some depth there and he's charming Max with his witty one-liners. So, yeah, he's basically the perfect antidote for what she needs at that time, providing reassurance but also the what if in life that I think that she had been missing. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the fact that I actually think that anonymity adds to the, I guess, the, the romantic element of it because you don't know everything about that person. And for some weird reason, that makes it sexier. Um, totally. Um, you start fill, filling in the blanks and then and then it's delightful when the blanks that you filled in actually seem to be accurate. So <laughs> it's yeah. exciting. It is. Um, I also just also in this kind of quick character deep dive, I want to shout out Alice just as her bestie and also this piece of trash that you have come up with in her ex. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I just that, that scene with the, 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 with the letter from, her, from his mum. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the ex, uh, Scott Laurent, um, you know, is a product of, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So uh, I definitely um, wanted to lean in, lean into, yeah, that. But also some early readers have said there's a scene where 
Max and Scott are in a hotel room and he comes out with a, a having used both towels um, and everyone knows that fury so I was keen to use a lot of those small observational character details as well just to paint a picture of who this man is and Alice you know is more than just a psychic I mean she takes Max in at the hardest time in her life um, and she also has I think a strong subplot and a, a love subplot and yeah she's kind of the sidekick that you want I think when you are going through something like Max is going through um but I had so much fun writing both of those characters and the whole Laurent family the cookbook idea um actually had come from something that happened like a decade ago uh, when I was living with a flatmate and for some reason when she was unpacking her boxes she found her sister's ex-boyfriend's family recipe book in the boxes and we cooked a couple of the recipes just for fun uh, and there was something about it that just felt so naughty and so like someone's secret like herbs and spices you know <laughs> that um, had made their way into our hands and we had no idea of the history so yeah it felt it also felt really naughty um, and kind of like a little you know, stick it to the Laurent family, um, the whole exercise. So I had a lot of fun writing it. Yeah, I, I can I can see it. It comes off it comes off the page a lot. And again, I want to talk about the actual interactions as well between Max and Johnny online and the whole forking exercise, cooking from this book. I just adore this and I really especially when we kind of head into that second half of the book, which we are not allowed to talk about, but just, just read it, everyone. Um, but I could tell, particularly those online back and forths, you enjoyed writing that. You really yeah, enjoyed that. That was, The word I, would, I described it was, uh, just pardon the, the pun, it was just delicious to see. Yeah. The flirty nature, the dynamic back and forth, but also like an actual deeper connection rise between these two fascinating characters in Max and Johnny. And I kind of, it also leaned into, there's a lot of pieces of, you know, of media out there around the online love experience. And, you know, you often, you often get those people who will come up and say, oh, but the online love experience doesn't compare to the in-person experience. And I felt like this was almost a real interesting counterpoint to that. What do you say to that, considering where this book goes? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, to, to start with, unfortunately, I've spent a lot of time on those apps. Um, and so I think um, I've gotten really quite good at banter. And I thought, why just leave it for these undeserving people on the other end? Like, I mean, this has to make it in its way into the book. And I think I wanted to develop a character um, on the other end, um, serving back, you know, <laughs> um, the banter that I guess, yeah, I mean, I would love to, to, to receive back. I think... Yeah, as, as I kind of said earlier, you, you can strip back a lot of the, um, I guess, the history and someone doesn't know who you are. And so some real genuine connections can be formed, I think, online. And the meetup part is whether or not that person who I, essentially is 2D in your phone um, and you've made 3D is that 3D version. So basically, you know, is is the movie as good as the book? Um, and then I, I think, yeah, like you've gotten to know the mind. So, yeah, I think it's a really exciting way to meet someone. And honestly, it's the way that the, the way that people meet people these days. Um, so in that way, I think, you know, there's the whimsy and sparkly part, which I kind of mentioned, but that's the practical stuff. That's 
that's how people are meeting each other in 2023. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's important to accurately portray that on the page. I want to ask you a little bit about your journey to publication. You mentioned that you did a course at the Australian Writers' Centre and you got hooked. Um, yeah. What happened from there? How did we go from that to this book that is now about to be in the hands of readers? Like lots of people, it was not a linear story, um, path to publication. Uh, but I think from that um, course, I kept writing. And I definitely pitched um, that novel in a couple of places, including the ASA, the Australian Society of Authors pitch event, and also RWA, which is the Romance Writers of Australia. They've got some pitch events. And that first book that I wrote actually did get picked up in digital version eventually. That is the book that I submitted uh, to open submissions. So I'm published through Pam Macmillan um, and they have a manuscript Monday, uh, once a month, I think. And that's fondly known in the industry as the slush pile. And everyone says that you don't ever get picked up off the slush pile. Well, I did. <laughs> so um, the book that I submitted, yeah, it was through Manuscript Monday and I submitted, you know, I think in the December and got an email from a publisher in the February wanting to know more. I had just signed that book um, to a digital publication. <laughs> but luckily, because I had just kept writing, I had other things. So I went back to them and said, hey, I've actually just signed um, that for a digital publication, but um, I have another manuscript and a half, if you would in be interested. And one of those manuscripts was Duck. And so I guess my message or lesson that I now say annoyingly, like the soapbox person, is just to keep writing because, you know, that opportunity might not have happened if I hadn't just kept at it. You know, the submission process is long. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of unknown. But what you can control is writing. So um, I ended up, you know, having, I guess, two and a half manuscripts ready to go. Of course, they needed editing um, with the professional in-house team. But, yeah, it wasn't the initial manuscript that I had submitted to Pam Macmillan. It was this this other new one. So, yeah, that, that was kind of what happened. And then it was quite fast. I think it that was the email in February and then it went to acquisitions and signed in the April, I think. So, it was a pretty quick process. So I, I keep saying now when you're on, you're on. So to have all your ducks in a row, excuse the puns, it's a combination of luck and having done the work. I do like that story because it's slush pile. And I think you never know if you don't put yourself out there. Yeah, straight from the slush pile. Yeah, slush pile baby. <laughs> slush pile baby. And I think so many people would would uh, connect with that on so many levels. And I love that you're a piece of advice because you answered my next question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I like it. Just keep writing because so many people talk about writing and talk but Like you actually have to do it, the discipline of sitting down and, and writing it. And on, on a personal level, like, God, I, I vibe so hard with that because then I'm like, oh, why doesn't this book come together the way it has? Oh, yeah, I actually haven't had the chance to sit down and, and fully flesh it out properly with the writing and the ways to go about it. On that topic, you mentioned, you know, you had to go through an, a whole editing process as well. What was kind of that experience like because i know it's very easy to say kill your darlings uh, but it, you know there's a lot of people who get very attached to this script that they that, you know this transcript that they work with uh, was that the case for you or was it actually 
I found it quite liberating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Like I, I mean, it's every writer's dream to have professionals look at their work. Like I still just feel so honoured that experts took the time to feedback, um, you know, constructive edits that made the book stronger. And I think going to writing courses and being in critique groups, you get better at that and identifying kind of what resonates with you and what doesn't. And, you know, this writing journey is quite solo (laughs) for the majority of the time. And I actually am someone that really, I think, am quite collaborative. So I've always kind of loved the idea of being in a writer's room or, you know, that's a completely different industry and and a creative um, pursuit. But um, I just love the collaborative nature of it. And it's not like a hard and fast you know, what we say goes, it's a discussion. And so it was actually a joy and it was quite fast as well. You know, my editing, um, it was, it was all quite fast, um, which was good because I was still really engaged with the text. I think often, you know, you you might, it it could be better or worse to be attached to things or not. But for me, I was kind of happy to make any changes that would make the text stronger based off the expert advice like they're the best in the business they know what they're doing so yeah I love I love the whole process yeah I think it's they're very much a they're your first reader effectively that's that's kind of who they are and they notice and pick up on things that you might look yeah because you've been in that instrument space for so long yeah and to acquire your book they get what you're doing and they believe in you so I think that's different from you know receiving feedback from someone that's not quite getting what you're trying to achieve with your writing so just even from that just the merit of that acknowledgement yeah made it a lot easier to kind of make changes in line with you know, it's a commercial novel. So commercially, what are the expectations? And also with romance, it's it's a whole genre where readers come with expectations. So you want to make sure that while being authentic as possible to what you want to deliver, it also doesn't disappoint um, in terms of that happy ending um, and everything that romance readers expect. What's next for you? Will you? Will we see another book? You mentioned there is more than one manuscript. Will there be another one? Yeah. So I actually have another book coming out in December with Pam McMillan. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think because I basically had both of them almost ready um, when they acquired. So um, the good thing is I'm not stuck in that, oh, gosh, like how do I back this one up, which I know the second book um, can often feel that way. So it's an interesting time right now because I'm getting real great feedback from Dark and at the same time editing the December book. So um, I'm obviously super excited. So it's a very busy year. And again, I just want to say to aspiring writers, a couple of years ago, I was sitting there with kind of no action. And then this just feels like the most action-packed year and kind of everything coming together and all that hard work um, happening. So, yeah, it's an exciting time for me. We're now at the rapid-fire question part of this oh, okay. date podcast. Yep. So I'm now going to hit you with a whole bunch of fun books questions anything else no no pressure at all what is your favorite book that you've read in the last 12 months 
Oh, 12 months. I love uh, Five Bush Weddings, which is Claire Fletcher's rom-com. Again, I love it because it's sparkly, but it's real. It's, yeah, got a lot of um, Australian observations. What would be the recipe you would pick from the Lion family cookbook? Oh, I think the souffle probably. And I actually had a souffle last night, the chocolate souffle. I won't give it away, but I, yeah, like, I like the name of that one. And it's rich and decadent and everyone loves dessert. Yes, absolutely. Amen to that. Do you have a favourite word? Oh, gosh. I straight away went to my least favourite words, which I'm not going to say. <laughs> I think everybody knows them. In line maybe with the souffle and how you'd want that to come out. I don't know. That's hard. I've never thought of that. I think I say whimsical a lot. So I think leaning into that. Um, yeah, anything that's otherworldly, any words around that. I love that in terms of um, dreamy state. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go whimsical. What is your favorite place? Where is your favorite place to read? Rather, in bed, on the couch, or out the back, in the shade, on a sunny afternoon. I'm definitely a bedtime reader, um, and I'm someone as well that has like a stack of at least three books. So I'm one of those people that uh, is a mood reader. So I'm quite. I'm. I can context switch. So I can be halfway through one book and decide that tonight, you know, I need more of a wind down. So like probably leave the crime and pick up something that's going to like lull me to sleep. So yeah, I, I do most of my reading in bed. Mm. Okay, I like it. Uh what is your favourite debut book that you've ever read? Oh, gosh. And now, like, yeah, Claire Fletcher's was a debut. But um, I would say Genevieve Novak, um, her book No Hard Feelings, which came oh. out um, last year, uh, which is amazing. And she's got a book out crushing. Actually, we're going to be shelf buddies. I think it's out um, beginning of April as well. So that's, that's really exciting. Um, it's like a millennial coming-of-age story, very much similar to Dolly Alderton's work, who I love. And then harking back a few years, uh, my favourite ever debut and um, my fangal kind of moment uh, is Jessica Detman's How to Be Second Best. I just love how she combines that wry voice um, with comedy and, yeah, again, real people. So, yeah, that was my favourite debut from a few years ago and now she's auto buy and all of those authors are auto buy for me once you get me once i'm like yep love you look i love genevieve novak i had i didn't read no hard feel um, no hard feelings but i got the chance to to talk to her a couple of times you know uh promoting that book and also that cover is gorgeous like the cover yeah and crushing as well like um i got an early copy of that um but yes the the cover of that's amazing and I will say as well, the Australian writing community is so supportive. Um, you know, obviously Genevieve, she's got her second book out. So she was able to just being so helpful and lovely to me. Um, and so has many writers just letting me know what to expect and um, things like that. The, the writing community in Australia is just so nice, <laughs> so supportive. Um, every, I see the same faces at book launches. Um, you know, there's a huge Instagram community, so sliding into DMs. Um, yeah, it's just, it's actually just, it's kind of what it seems from the outside. Now I'm inside. I'm like, oh, wow, these people are that nice. This is amazing. Yeah, I love hanging out with authors. Authors are the best people to hang out with because they're, yeah. they're, they're also like, they're not Trump. They're, often they can hide behind their books. Like, you know, you're not like a, a musician or an actor who whose face is front and centre. You can, you can disappear. 
Um, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. And and you do hibernate for the majority of the year, right? So it's like when you're writing, um, you're hibernating. So that connection point, I think, is really important for inspiration as well. And you're instantly connected because it's like-minded people that I guess are the same crazy as you. They are. They understand, um, you know, what it takes, kind of the mind. I love it. Absolutely. Um, last question. So you mentioned in your author bio that you like guzzling espresso martinis in the name of research. Please elaborate. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm quite an observational, curious kind of, like so many writers. So I do get a lot of inspo from observing people. And I think a bar setting is the best because we do have a lot of dates going on. Uh, we've got lots of groups um, of friends. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, often I am with people, but I also enjoy heading to a bar with a book or my computer. So, yeah, and having a drink and just having a little watch and ears drop. So, yeah, just always, always be mindful if you could see me out and about. I have to say, though, I've changed from the espresso martini. I don't think it's good to guzzle those at night. So I'm more of a dirty martini olive gal now. Um, and they're strong, so you've got to be careful. I now know that, like, say, if you're out at an event and I run into you and you've got a dirty martini, I'll know that you're working. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the new, like, rose on the lapel. It's, like, careful. Careful. I know what you're up to. You're, you're, you're watching, hunting for ideas. I could honestly chat to you all day, but I'm aware that you are incredibly busy and you have got a whole lot of, uh, of events to get to and launches to do. So I'll simply finish by saying, uh, Karina, thank you so much. It's been really great having you on the show. Thank you so much, Nick. So for everyone listening, Duck and Lounge for breakfast will be out at the time of recording, published by Panic Woman. And if you like the show, drop words and nerds a review. Let us know what you think and who you would like to hear from next.